Welcome everyone to the Milk It Podcast, the podcast that as always tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I am your host, David Davis, for episode 49. Can you imagine episode 49, one off the big 5-0? And it's a very special episode. Um, you'll notice by the silence and lack of uh, farting that uh, Mr. Boulamont, my co-host with the most and my dear close personal showbiz friend, uh, isn't with us again this week. Uh, we're still waiting for Boo to sort out his internets, so uh, as soon as he's up and running again, he will be with us, hopefully from episode 50, uh, when you'll notice a bit of a change. Uh, we're having a bit of a reboot. We're polishing the turd. Well, we're rolling it in glitter anyway. So we're looking at some new artwork, some new music, and bits and pieces for it. Obviously, uh, still uh, using the contributions of myself, Boulamont, and Jay Hodgkin. Mr. John Sands' fabulous intro music won't be going anywhere. But uh, yeah, just having a bit of a shake-up, turning it into a bit more of a magazine-type format and uh, kind of streamlining it for you guys. Um, we have moved across the past two years, uh, because we are two years old this week, um, it, from being what was originally going to be... A sort of weekly geek podcast um just the practicalities of doing that and uh, it just didn't work unfortunately but um, also the fact that they, we, we're just regurgitating the same sort of news every time um, so, so we find we were talking about Ghostbusters every week we are talking about Batman every week we are talking about pro wrestling every week and it's the same kind of stuff churning over so we found like doing a couple of episodes a month works better for us um, I think it, it gives us a better show and um, obviously that will continue rolling forwards we'll keep trying to improve as we go um, so yes what is to come in this episode well this is going to just be a sort of little tight half hour, a little bit of a review of the year, the past 12 months, what we've been up to, where we've been. Uh, it starts off with a trip to Nottingham. Yes, we went on the road, kids. Uh, we went to Nottingham Comic Con, which was an interesting experience. I'd never been to a Comic Con before. Uh, this was my first, and uh, I was sort of the other side of the table than I would have expected to be. Uh, we went up there, it was me and Boo, uh, Wee Man was with us, our good uh, close personal showbiz friend, uh, Johnny Bailey. Uh, also joining us was Dino Peppers, who was up there the uh, selling his wares, the the artist, the official artist of the show. Um, so yeah, so basically we went up there. It was a weird experience, because um, Boo and I had intended to record a show up there. Um, we didn't, in the end. Uh, we, uh, we sort of just pressed the flesh and said hello, and sort of meet and greet and met a couple of people who listened to the show show and write tape which was very cool um, but yeah it was a bit of a strange experience because obviously the, the Milky podcast relies on me and Boo talking rubbish uh, occasionally swearing and uh, just generally talking about subjects which you can't really get away with uh, in an environment of a family friendly comic con which we probably should have thought about before we thought about going up there and spending money on a table etc but yes you live and learn kids it was a great day I had, I had a really good time and Boo stayed with me for the weekend uh, which was uh, entertaining in itself um, Boo's uh, staying up all night watching the W network was uh, rather entertaining um, so yeah basically uh, we, we got together uh, here's a little bit about Comic-Con followed by that there'll be a little bit of the uh, Comic-Con special that we recorded with Dino it was a fabulous three way um, and uh, basically we got together and uh, talked about our favourite comics etc uh, and then yeah I'm just going to chop it up and go across the year some bits and pieces I might di- dive in and explain what they are I may just let them roll oh who knows that's, that's the crazy world we live in kids but uh, yeah enjoy this it's a short one uh, it's just episode 49 the next one as I say episode 50 the reboot the relaunch the rolling in glitter of that fabulous turd that is the Milking It podcast um, so join us next time uh, if you want a brand new episode this one stick around and uh, relive the memories of the past 12 months i believe there may even be a special appearance by mr scroobius pip oh yes uh, he's done all right with his podcast and i like to think that we gave him a leg up yeah uh, enjoy kids and i'll uh, i'll see you at the end i've got the feeling that you're milking it 
So it is 5.27 in the morning and we are walking to the train station uh, in Stourbridge. Mr Boo has been at my house all night watching WWE Network. And let me tell you, baby, I've dined with kings and queens and I was standing in the guttering pork and beans, but they've made a lovely chilli con carne and it was much better, if you will. So there you go. <laughs> That's all we've been doing. Um, so yeah, we're on our way to Nottingham, and this is going to be the Milking Podcast <laughs> live in Nottingham. Why did why did we agree to do this? It's insane. Okay, so uh, we're actually in Nottingham. Uh, I am outside because I've had to go. We've got the tablecloths that we're supposed to bring, so I just had to come out in the pouring rain to find uh, two sheets that we can use to cover the tables for Comic-Con. Whoever said this wasn't a glamorous live podcasting was clearly talking out of their bottom. Uh, But anyway, looks like it's going to happen, and we'll be there in just a couple of seconds. Okay, so as you can probably hear, we are actually live at the Nottingham Comic-Con. We are walking the floor, as I believe they say. David, me and I are draping along this floor like goddamn nerd celebrities. And this this music is probably going to pop the recording, but it's, uh, it's still worth capturing. They've had live bands, they've got people here selling stuff, shilling their shiz, as they say. Okay, so you can hear in the background... There is live music going on. There's lots and lots of stalls. There's loads of people chit-chatting. And we have just met a, one one of the people who listen to the show. <laughs> We're not... Uh... Yes, Dave. Yes, Dave. Sure have. Welcome <laughs> to the Nottingham Comic Con. Okay, so we're... We're basically, we're walking around, we're just having a look at the stalls and stuff. We've been chit-chatting to people all day, they've been coming up to the, uh, to the table that we've got, and we've been handing out our flyers, and Dino's been handing out his, uh, his flyers and, and selling some of his stuff. Uh, but the, the main thing is that we get to look at really geeky, nerdy things, which we're standing in front of now, which is uh, all around us. So there we go, that was uh, the Nottingham Comic Con, we've been here all day, it has been really, really good fun, I've stepped outside just before we we pack our table up and uh, we head on home, (laughs) that wonderful journey that'll uh, take us uh, about... Uh, about three hours, I reckon. But Dino's come a lot further, so uh, you know, uh, top marks to him. And uh, g- great to see him. Great to see Janie here as well. Awesome to see we, uh, Johnny Bailey, uh, who has uh, been on the show before. He was down here with us. So it's been a pr- uh, proper sort of who's who of the Milking podcast. The only person missing was Jay. Sadly, Jay was not with us today. Um, it's certainly uh, Stuart, who uh, re- enjoys the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. You made our day. Uh, enjoy your Milking It mug, sir, and enjoy the... He got his hands. Can you imagine? He got his hands on the original artwork for the actual podcast cover that you see on your iTunes, uh, and also the one that came out for episode 10, which was the WrestleMania 10 parody that Dino did for him. Uh, he managed to get those, and it made my day by uh, uh, asking us to sign it. So I actually got to autograph something as well. So from myself and Boo Lamont, um, thank you very much to Kev, the organiser of the Nottingham Comic Con. Really, really good day. Um, everyone seemed to enjoy it. It was great to hear the music. It was great to uh, just experience the vibe. And I'd say anyone, who, if there is a, is a, if there's a con on close to you, near to you, get over there, uh, support them, check it out, because I got some proper good bargains, which I'm sure we will discuss in the next episode. Um, but yes, overall, brilliant day. Loved my first con experience. Uh, I speak to Boo as well, I know he's had an amazing day. I got my hands on uh, a load of comics and uh, a very, very nice Joker mask as a, a thank you from uh, Mr. Boo for putting him up. Uh, but uh, yes, we shall talk more. But uh, from the Nottingham Comic Con, thank you. Uh, good night.
Yeah, as I said, we're going to get into the origin stories. Uh, we're going to go alphabetically, so do can go first. Mm. How did you get into comics, Boo? Uh, I started reading them. It's fascinating. Now, when I was younger, I was given a cardboard box full of old DC comic books, uh, which is where my love of the new Teen Titans comes from. Uh, and eventually, uh, I became more of a connoisseur. Um, definitely into my DCs, my Marvels, love my independence, uh, big fan of collected graphic novels because... Uh, although I do like singular issues, um, I do prefer to have the whole shebang right in my hand. Uh, eventually, my taste matured, uh, going from kind of Wolverine and the X-Men, Spider-Man. Um, and then I went through a phase of going into movie crossovers. So uh, I started collecting a lot of the Predator versus Batman, Predator versus Superman, Aliens versus Superman, Aliens versus Predator. Um, and now my tastes uh, generally uh, with the amount of horror comic books you can now get whereas before there was like one or two there are loads on offers at the moment so um yeah i'm into a i'm in obviously into a variety of uh, comic based goodies mr david I, I understand that you're a fan of the old comic book shenanigans i am yeah I, when when we spoke about doing this because I, I i i don't really have the connection in terms of longevity with comic books as you guys do but i i did i started thinking about it and then thought actually I do because I, I I got into comic books at a very young age because that's what I kind of got from the cartoons that I watched. So the first thing I used to do was I, like, I had the Masters of the Universe comic when that was with he you know the He Man the Marvel one that they did in the UK. You know I, I always got the real Ghostbusters comic and the Mask comic and Thundercats and that kind of got me interested. And then I discovered while I was I, I can tell you exactly where I was. Um, I was in Somerset on holiday and. I got a copy of the Beano for the first time, and that just got me hooked with the the, the way it was drawn. Um, there was a particular artist called Tom Patterson who did Calamity James, and that style just absolutely got me on board. I was so excited by it because he had loads of little things in the background. There was loads of extra bits and pieces going on, and and that made me think, okay, I want to try drawing. So the, the Beano got me into drawing. Um, so yeah, for me, comics have always been like matching whatever I've been watching. So like, well, I'm sure we'll discuss Batman later on, but the Batman films, I'd always try and get the graphic novel to go with it. Uh, the comic adaptation, sorry, is what they referred to it as. Um, and later on, now I've got to the stage where I've rediscovered comics by going into a local comic book shop and having a very good discussion about the Hush uh, Batman novel and, and saying right, what, what can you, you know, what can you recommend? And I've been recommending things like Court of uh, Court of Owls, which is part of the New Fifty Two Scott Snyder uh, graphic novel. I, I'm like Boo, I'm a graphic novel guy. I like the whole collection in a nice book that I can read the whole story but uh, yeah I, I didn't realise comics had influenced me so much but I wouldn't have started drawing without the Beano so that for me is probably the most influential thing When you say graphic novel like mm. Boo, do you mean trade paperbacks? Oh, so you put this one out here it's like graphic novel is okay. made No, alright, alright all right. No, no, don't go because I'm, I'm ignorant to no, the no, difference no, between You're that You're right, a, a trade paperback Dave mm. is a collection of the comics grouped together, whereas a graphic novel like The Watchman is one complete story. Oh, um, okay. I did. Uh, apologies, I did not no, realize. The but no, the, watch, comic book. the Watchman um, was was separate. Yeah, it's something like Scott Pilgrim is based as a graphic novel, which is like one complete okay. story. Yeah, uh, 
Watchmen was separate issues. That's Trey Payback. That's right. Between Trey Payback. It's like having Judge Judas in the room with us, Dave. (laughs) Sorry. So is it? But but that's not obviously not a a definition that most people understand. It's one of those things that people say, like, oh, I collect graphic novels, and they say a collection Ah, of quote books. A collection of quote books is a Trey Payback. A graphic novel is something that's made as the novel itself is like one whole story. Right, so it's it's always intended to be that, as opposed yeah, to it's one uh, big sequential thing. Right, yeah, that's the one. Ah, okay. I did not. Do, every day's a school day, kids. Yeah, I thought they'd throw that one out there. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, cheers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like buffoons. Made you look like buffoons. Yes, you made us look like <laughs> big old buffoons. Big old. Sorry, well, it is, a, it is a podcast that's going to be fans, so they would know and they. Are you up on this thing? Of course, yeah. I've no and as I actually make comic books, I should know these things. Yes, which is why I said Ooh, I, I, make I, comic, I, I, I make comic know. books. And well, you've written one. Shh. <laughs> 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 but, 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 so but uh, what you're yeah. saying is me and Dave are idiots. And, uh, yes. I don't count myself as an idiot. I just count myself as ill-informed. I, I now know. I've written it down. I shall never, ever refer to it again. I, in fact, next time I go into my local comic book shop, I shall say, uh, do you have a, uh, a Do you have some novel, TP for Or do you me? have a collection of uh, trade paperbacks? Do you have some TP for me? It's trade paperback. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to put it on my back. So, <laughs> I'm a nerve now. I'd like to put it on my back <laughs> page. Um... <laughs> Okay, I'll go tomorrow and install you can sort of mm. holes in this one. Oh, we will. I um, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing it down. Come on. Go. Okay, um, I remember getting a, like a box. Do you? Do you remember? Or do you, are you, are you, are you <laughs> a box, you say? Are you sure it wasn't like a It was like Shin Titans and it was um, those kind of stories from DC. There was mm. one called Plop as well, which is like an alternative DC comic book, which gave me nightmares apparently. Called Plop? Yes. It's uh, weird tales from DC. I've never heard of it. It's called, it's called right what? Now. Sorry? Plop, Plop, David. You know the sound Plop. of a nugget hitting water. It's a bit like Mad Magazine. But apparently it gave me nightmares, so my parents got rid of it. Um, that was my first experience with comic books, but then my main one, when I got into them, actually collecting them... That was looks amazing. Same. Sorry. It's basically, yeah, it's mad in any yeah. other name. I was going to say, you you probably do yeah. the same thing as me. You've just looked on Wikipedia. and Yeah, it, no one's it, listening it to looks... me. Don't worry. It looks absolutely insane. Sorry, no, I'm not, because that reminds me of one. Sorry, one of the things I was going to mention about uh, in terms of um, the guy uh, Tim Patson who did Calamity James on Beano also drew for Viz and Oink. I didn't know whether any of you remember Oink, Oink magazine. Of course, yeah, I remember Oink. Oink. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, the pig, it's like a kids version of Viz. Yeah, it's a pig parody magazine. Hamba. Yeah, Hambo. Yeah, yeah, super pig. There we go. Sorry. Oh, there we go. We found something. We bonded again. Right, okay. Let's stop attacking Dino and let him get on with his story. Stop doing comics. Sorry. You're very trade paperback. So, so let me get this straight. So you, you, you had a handful of plot. <laughs> and it gave you nightmares. Yes. Fast forward to like 92 ish, there's like the X Men cartoon on TV, that's where yes. I actually got into oh, the yes, problem. Oh, yes, yeah. We were talking about this the other day, yeah. absolutely. The X Men cartoon. So, yeah, that came out in 92. Hmm. The X Men relaunched their whole title and, uh, as the X Men, because it was the Uncanny X Men and yeah. the X Men. So, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, and I managed to collect all those ones from number one. Is there, sorry, very that's quickly, because I, I, I mentioned a hush in mine. Is there a better artist than Jim Lee? Dave, you can say Jim Lee, but um, I know for a fact that the greatest comic book artist, in my opinion, is George Perez, which is why I've got the Perez tattoo on my right arm. 
But he's DC, so he mainly drew Batman, Robin. Well, Jim Lee's very DC now. Yes, but Jim Lee, I, I associate Jim Lee more with Wildcats. And no, Hush, man. <laughs> but the thing is, it depends what type of art you like. I mean, Didn't he do yeah. Shadow's Dragon? Uh, Jim Lee? Yeah, that's um, Eric Larson. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I should know that. Yeah, but it depends what art you like. I mean, there's certain people go with the realism side of things. Yeah. Jim Lee's quite... He's kind of middle of the road in terms of he does cartoony styles with realism. Yes, of course, yeah. But then he ultra realism like uh, Alex Ross mm. does the painting what? work. What's he um, Earth. He does like the fully painted covers. Oh, the fully detailed, like actually realistic, like characters. Do you know what? I, see if we're going to go on a quick tangent here. Um, that I, I, I read the, the Arkham Asylum graphic novel. Mm. And I didn't appreciate the art style much. I thought, oh, it's amazing! Man. It's pretty, but I don't think it's it's very readable. Like it's quite hard to follow. So it's, it's a work of art. Though, that novel. No, no, no. It is. It is. But I don't. Sorry, let in my Tra- is that a story. novel or a trade paperback? Um, <laughs> and there's a Marvel. One. Have you read the Marvel graphic novel slash trade paperback called Marvels? Well, that's Alex Ross. Is that what, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Alex, Alex Ross right. is amazing. That, that's, that's why I brought it up. Well, he's, he's done the covers for the Batman 66 Green Hornet crossovers, which are just beautiful. I've got an issue with that. Yeah, you have. I, uh, I sent oh, yeah. it to you, sir. But yeah, he's just uh, amazing work. The Justice League stuff that he did as well is beautiful. There's, he was the guy who did the, um, there's that very famous picture of Joker and Harlequin. Which is like photorealistic painting of them. Just Joker's got his hands round her and just hugging her. It's just beautiful, really nice style. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. So that comes down to what style you like in terms of yeah. art. Because I like uh, Sam Keith, uh, Jim Mathood, Scott Young. They're kind of cartoony. Okay, yeah. They're very sort of out there in terms of the anatomically correct and so on. They're kind of more cartoony. That's the whole thing. Of, I like comic books because they can do stuff you can't do in films or in real life. The X-Men cartoon that you just mentioned. Oh, the X-Men cartoon series. Um, easily one of the best superhero cartoons of all time. Started in the early 90s and um, they, even, they were told that they had to kill off a character in the very first few episodes. So uh, instead of going into the pool for one of their best loved characters, they designed the poor Messiah himself. Uh, Morph, who uh, actually grew into one of my favourite characters in the series, uh, in, in the comic book series, especially in the Age of Apocalypse uh, storyline. But I digress. Really great series. Um, really, uh, yeah, followed the storylines from the comic books. Um, and uh, it was the first one not to insult the comic book fans. It's like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Look at Starfire and Iceman. Like, like that was some uh, some rubbish from back in the day. Yeah, not a bad cartoon, but... Um, and then there was a terrible Fantastic Four cartoon, which um, they couldn't have Thing in, uh, sorry, Johnny Storm in, mm. because they were worried kids would set themselves on fire trying to copy him. So they came up with a happy daffy <laughs> robot friend. What? Did you not know I've that? I've never Hannah, heard that. Hanna-Barbera, um, or Hanna-Barbera, I don't know. Barbera, yeah. Barbera. Yeah. yeah. Um, they bought the rights to the Fantastic Four, mm. but they decided that they wouldn't put Johnny Storm in as a character because they were worried kids would set themselves on fire trying to pretend to be him. True story. So they replaced him with a happy robot. Joining myself and Boulamont now to talk about the Royal Rumble is indeed Scroobius Pip. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to, to come here to learn and, 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 and be <laughs> a, a master of this craft. Sit, sit under the learning tree, young Padwan. Exactly. And 
<laughs> we'll see where it goes. But no, thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. Very cool to have you on here, sir. Um, so we're going to get together. You, you said you wanted to talk about the Royal Rumble. It is yes. one of the, the main four of the year. Not that you can still say Survivor Series is, is, a, is a main one, but yeah. uh, it's, uh, it, it's professional wrestling. And a lot of people who, who know you will have associated you with more with UFC. Um, yep. I know you've, you've written stuff for them. You've, you know, you've commented on lots of events. Anyone who knows your sort of social media side of stuff uh, has yeah, seen that I'll you are... Big fan, yeah, slightly, slightly uh, obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, it's not something I, I know a lot about. I know Boo's a, a UFC guy uh, as well. Um, but so professional wrestling is probably not something people would associate you with. So no, not particularly. Or people who who, who knew me when I was as younger would though. As a kid, right. I was a massive fan of professional wrestling, and that did transfer. I kind of stopped watching it when I got into UFC. But in the last year or two, I've had kind of a a renaissance of of returning to, to to becoming a fan. So in terms of like, so if we're talking old school wrestling, who who yeah. are the guys that you, that got you into it? Who who sparked your interest? Um, well, my brother was Hulk Hogan, and I and I was Ultimate Warrior. So it, it, it was that era that just obviously that was the the, the biggest thing. But but people like Shawn Michaels and yeah, yeah just or, or loads really. I love going back and looking for a lot of the older stuff and I've become obsessed with a lot of the obviously the WWE are doing a lot of podcasts or those associated mm. with a lot of podcasts now and that's become a travel thing for me constantly just listening to all the different wrestlers of old and new all kind of discussing the ins and outs of the business I think that's the weird thing, is it? Because like they they always tell the stories about oh, it's like the road stories they tell each yeah. other, and that seems to be what podcasting has become for them. It's like they're so used to being these storytellers that it, it kind of lends itself naturally to that that style of podcast. I mean, I've I've heard you talking on yours, Destruction Pieces podcast, kids. Um, I've heard you talking about the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. Yeah, uh, is just wonderful. It's uh, you end up like forty minutes into it realizing that all he's doing is talking about the journey he's doing in his car and yet sip a beer for the working man (laughs) it's just amazing right it's insane it's absolutely insane it's it's almost brechtian (laughs) (laughs) the one i've become more obsessed with though is the ross report because jim ross just giving his uh, obviously there's a lot of good stories and everything in it but his psychology of how to call a fight and how to tell a story and what people don't do now what he did and what other people do it's all amazing because I remember just watching and thinking, cool, there's some wrestling happening. And you realise that so much was manipulated by the way he would describe it or the points he would choose to pick up on and who he would put across and who he wouldn't and things like that. It was amazing. It's a fine art in, 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 in the commentary. The thing I noticed with the Jim Ross report is that he's he seems to have like a respect for everyone. But when it comes to indie wrestling, David, what does he say? He tells to uh, say, we've got to slow it down, let them feel it and <laughs> yeah. see it. Yeah, every time, every single every time. time he says that. But I, that I do. Is, that love is the problem. He's got four or five bullet points that he repeats over and over again. And yeah, but other than that, did you get a chance to see or indeed hear and feel the um, the Japanese show that he did? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I heard about it a lot on his podcast, but I haven't got around to watching it. Yet. It was. It was really. Yeah, the main event was easily the best match I've seen in like the last few years Okada versus Tanahashi was amazing yeah how was AJ Styles he's one that I was a, I became a fan of through TNA and whatnot, and just felt it's bizarre that he didn't 
get that big push. I mean, uh, you listen to the Ross report when Jim Ross is actually talking to AJ Styles. The way he introduced him in the show was as the man that I, you know, stupidly passed over so many times, and it's like he should have been a bigger star. Yeah. AJ Styles' match was great. However, there's been, you know, recently there's been the kind of spate of injuries caused by the Styles clash. Yeah, right. And they're really playing that up in Japan, as in like it's the deadliest move. And I think it's a two-stroke thing. Like it's a really good thing to capitalise. Um, but it's a shame that people are getting injured. But yeah. he, uh, he has stepped up his game. I mean, he is an international talent. I, I remember, let's bring it back to Boo for a second. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing AJ Styles wrestling in Broxbourne in like 2003. Oh, wow. And you could, you could just see, even like on these little indie shows, when he came over, you could see that this guy was destined for huge things. Everything he did in the ring had rhyme and reason. His yeah. psychology was good. So you could just tell that this kid, like back from back in the day, was going to be a major player, and then fast forward like all these years later, and he's he's like the, the biggest gaijin star in Japan. It just seems but nothing for anyone. I think Rusev is one of the most like, strong-looking mm-hmm. champions at the moment. So, uh, but and does, the fact that it's the US title as well. I was going to say, but does that enhance that character, or do, do you need it at all, or could he just be doing that? 80s style look at my passport it's different than your own yeah, look at my yeah. passport yeah <laughs> I think it, I think it's interesting I think it's it's been surprising that the Intercontinental and the US haven't really been given more of a push with Brock obviously t- taking the belt off of TV uh, mm. for so long because I don't think that's a bad thing at points I think someone like Brock it can be I don't know it can be I think at points it can devalue the belt if it's constantly there and constantly on the line, if you know what I mean, rather than just at what used to be the four pay-per-views, but now at the pay-per-views every month. So I think they, I think the Brock thing hasn't necessarily devalued it too much because it, it makes it an attraction rather than an everyday thing. But yeah, I, I agree. Intercontinental and, and, and US, it's kind of who, like when did Ziggler have it for, for a bit and everyone like, when I started watching again, everyone was saying how Ziggler is the most underused, is going to, you know, go on to great things. It felt him having it, it meant something. But then as soon as it kind of went back into the pot, Barrett's got it for a bit. Mm. And, you know, it feels like it's just going to be passed around the mid, yeah, the mid... Oh, uh, totally, totally. I think that the, the Brock thing works and has worked because he's Brock Lesnar. There is nobody yeah. who could have carried that role off like Brock, Brock Lesnar does. He looks legitimately Completely. like someone who's going to kick your face in. And it's, 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 it's the same way that Andre the Giant could tour around uh, back in the day, hearing stories of that. Of It would yeah. be a spectacle when Andre's in town for that one or two months a year because it's this big deal and he's the champion. And, you know, it, it has that feel with Brock because he looks like that. He's also got... Le- all the legitimateness behind it of being a a, a UFC champion and genuinely you can't argue that he's a tough dude so yeah I think that he he manages to pull that off I think it's also worth mentioning the fact that he might not have been on Raw every week but his advocate has (laughs) so you've had the beauty and the wonder that is Paul Heyman's promos that have just completely sold it I think that's that's again it stuns me that there's not more this is going to appeal to, to, to you know, it stuns me that there's not more managers at the moment. Considering mm-hmm. I would say Paul Heyman is in the top five of the talents on Raw of of, of who people want to see, regardless of not being an in ring talent. He's he's one of the ones that people are excited to see and, and follow. 
Yeah, he's pretty much the only one other than Arusef's. Uh, oh, completely. The, the art of being a manager is completely lost. And the fact that we've got someone like Paul Heyman out there centre and front is so important. I mean, the problem is with kind of like the managers, uh, the situation with the managers is there's not enough original characters um, mm. yeah. to be managers. And uh, they're really pushing for all the wrestlers to talk. But I think a manager, obviously, I'm going to think this, but the manager is one of the most important aspects. Like, like Dave was saying, so you might not have had um, Lesnar there every episode, but you've had the herald of Lesnar. Yeah. You've had this four, you've had all these warnings in his coming, and then you know the beast actually. When the beast does actually arrive, it makes it bigger. Um, it's now time for our sort of uh, main feature, if you will, on the uh, Market Podcast, because something very, very special happened this week. Um, you'll all know what a massive, massive fan boo is of this particular franchise. Uh, I'm also a big fan. Uh, not, I can't even claim to be as big a fan as Mr. Booley. Uh, however, uh, we've, we've both seen it. We've both thoroughly enjoyed it. We're both going to talk about it now. Booley, what was the big event of the week? Big event of the week, David, was the 40th anniversary special of Saturday Night Live. So live from the Milk in It podcast studio, it's time for the 40th anniversary SNL roundup. So Dave, it was a night of uh, celebrities galore, some of the top com- comedy talent. Um, it was very long. I think with the red car carpet thing, it was clocked in just under four hours. I only watched yeah. the main show, which was two hours, 36 minutes. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I could have done without the musical guests. Um, and there were yeah. a couple of people who were there, but maybe could have done a bit more. Um, so we'll, we'll start it off. Um, you had the Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon opening song. Yes, very good. Very good. Yeah, um, very good. I think just Justin. Sorry, very good. Justin Timberlake is one of those people who, um, to an outsider, prob- who hasn't seen him do anything with with Saturday Night Live, sort of the Lonely Island or anyone, um, would be surprised that he's as funny and as good as he is at that kind of stuff. People he- think I'm taking the piss when I say. Isn't Justin Timberlake amazing? He's and I'm like, oh great. yeah, isn't he great? Yeah, I'm like, no, no, no really, he's really? he's really good. He's easily. They, they've always maintained that if Justin Timberlake auditioned, he would get a job I th- as I a cast member. You forget that he was a Mouseketeer, wasn't he? He was part of the Disney. He's club been and around he's, yeah. entertainment industry his entire life. Same with Keenan uh, mm. Thompson. You know, yeah. he's a he's a Nickelodeon kid. Um, and uh, also played Bill Cosby's Fat Albert famously in a live-action movie. And uh, yes, mm. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near any Bill Cosby gags. But carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the only one that wouldn't go anywhere near a Bill Cosby gag. But more on that later. Yeah, we'll get to. Oh, that look one. at that tenuous link. Look at this. It's like um, we're on professional radio. No, I know. Um, but yes, fantastic in, uh, oh. intro. Um, some weird celebrity cameos. Jack Nicholson. Jack. Jack was great. I'm sorry. Jack was. Uh, one... I'm not out here to. I'm not out here to do any jokes. Uh... It's just 
the fact that he's not like he's no longer acting because he can't again he's another one who can't remember lines and he said he's pretty much retired and everything else he looked top form if i if i look that good when i'm jack nicholson's age i i'll be more than happy he he was just jack and that that was all you wanted really at first i thought it was someone doing an impression because when when he, <laughs> when he came out it was just like that's never slowly jack. dawned and you wait like, wait a second that that is Jack. And it's Jack. Oh, he was he was very funny. Yes. I'll Sorry. Puff, and I'll puff and I'll blow your door in. <laughs> um Chevy Chase looked just awful. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I mean, right, no one would, would do anything with Chevy. Of course uh, not. Because he in fact he's been banned for not working with other people particularly well. He, he's not meant to be... He, he's not allowed to host Saturday Night Live. He's on their ban list kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the big goodbye at the end, Chevy just kind of stood there on his own. And uh, it, it's a shame, but... Really. <laughs> no, to me, that felt like... The whole thing felt like, a you know, everyone famously didn't or did get along at certain points of their career. And I think that the whole 40th anniversary night did seem like a like a let's hug and make up with everybody night. It was like, it was like Warrior visiting WrestleMania. For some people, yeah, yeah. For some of them. It, oh, it like the let's bury the hatchet night. Because everyone was there, including famously Eddie Murphy. Hmm. Eddie Murphy who, um, at the last, which would have been the 30th, I presume, um, big celebration that they did, which is a DVD set I think I gave you, didn't I? I uh, believe the twenty. It was, was the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth was it? Bloody hell! Was it that long ago? Um, at that particular one, he thousand. Was, yeah, that makes sense. Jesus. He, he refused to go, and they made jokes about it all the way through. Was that he said he was going to be hosting a party at his house rather than going along to the actual celebrations? Whereas this time he did turn up. However, his intro was longer than him actually speaking. He was originally asked to do the Bill Cosby sketch from the Jeopardy sketch. We'll talk about the sketches more in a bit. Yep. The Jeopardy sketch, which was absolutely brilliant. That's and super. once again, Will Ferrell just showing off his chops as the finest, one of the finest comedians that SNL's ever had. He was in a lot of the sketches. Mm. Um, Eddie Murphy was originally asked to do the uh, Bill Cosby sketch, but he was quoted as saying, I won't kick a man when he's down. Yep. You could have told a few jokes, Eddie, but instead you came out and thanked everyone and basically begged for applause. Yeah, it seemed, and for someone who, and I'm, it sounds really bad because the, the guy's done more than I'll ever do, but he's not exactly like when you look at some of the talent that was there in terms of like box office. If he's trying to turn up and be like Mister Box Office, then he's, he hasn't got a leg to stand on. Dude, Tom Hanks was there. I know. Like, that's like, a, yeah, that's we're like, talking three Oscars, buddy. Chris Rock was there. Who? I would imagine it could quite easily out outsell any stand-up that Eddie Murphy wanted to do now. You know, yes, I'm sure he was very, very influential, but it's it's a very inflated opinion of himself, I think, to think that he can just kind of, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just going to wander on and, you know, everyone's going to just be happy that I'm here as opposed to having to actually do anything, but... I don't know. It was it was a shame. I, it would have liked. I would have liked to have seen him get involved and just jump in and kind of do his thing. It would have been nice to him to get do one of his old sketches, like maybe buckwheat or 
or any of the or any of the sketches that that he made famous would have been good. Um, the the news update uh, with uh, Amy Poehler, <laughs> Tina Fey, and the wonderful Jane Curtin. Ah, oh, superb! Yes, rather good. Up until they let <laughs> they let famous sorry bunny is here. You can't see them. Famous people do their impressions of dead people's sketches, uh, which was my least favourite part of the show. Um, they had Emma Stone from The Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, doing uh, Gilda, one of Gilda Radner's characters. Yeah, then you see, had... I, I, I found that more offensive than you're about to tell me about in a second. But yeah, <laughs> found that offensive. I thought I thought going on there and well, I would much rather they just played the original sketch than anyone try and do an impression of someone who was an absolute unique irreplaceable talent in Gilda Radner in my opinion it just comes across like comedy karaoke and comedy karaoke is not something I'm a fan of no totally Um, Gilda is irreplaceable and um, to have someone come out and kind of Hollywood bullshit I didn't really like however I could accept to a degree Emma Stone doing Gilda Radner well, I can't fucking stomach, Dave. <laughs> well, I can't fucking stomach. Friend of the show. <laughs> Foe of the show. Um, okay, I get it. Ha 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 let, and let, let, Let's recast a very famous male comedy character. <clears throat> in... <laughs> it's as if they did it just to annoy just you. Just to annoy me. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that listens to the show knows that I love Chris Farley. Everyone who mm-hmm. listens to the show knows that I love Legend. the Matt Foley sketch. Well, what happens when you mix Boo's, one of Boo's famous favourite comedians and sketches with one of his <laughs> least favourite um, female actresses? Yeah, that's right. Melissa McCarthy made me spit blood at my TV <laughs> by doing a shit impression Chris Farley as Matt Foley, it drove me nuts. I was genuinely angry, and it kind of caused a downer for the. It almost caused a downer for the rest of the show for me. But luckily, there was the bit near the end where they, they kind of went through everyone that died, um, and that got me laughing again. Not for the reasons that it sounds. It's no, the John no, Lovett's no. gag, yeah, yeah. obviously. obviously. It made me laugh. Don't want Melissa McCarthy on the same planet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Okay. This is deep, deep, deep. The more shot Dave gets, the better. No, um, I found that really disrespectful. Um, but apart from that, I, I thought the show was fine and the, the news update bit was fine. I love Jeopardy. Yep. How the Californians, which is famously not that funny, even everyone breaking, you know, cracking up got, got me. And yes, I kind yeah. of joined in the love. And the lovely Betty White. Always. Amazing. Always a welcome sight. Always great. As long as as long as she's not guest hosting Raw, she's welcome on my television anytime. There is nothing wrong with Betty White guest. In fact, <laughs> she should have taken a table bump a la um, Fabulous Moolah. May Young, give you. Next. Um, yes, Wayne's World, David. Talk to me about the Wayne's World sketch. Okay, the Wayne's World sketch for me was one of the best and funniest sketches I've seen in a long time. Mainly because... I'm I'm not a fan of nostalgia, like for nostalgia's sake, but I came away from it thinking I'd like to see some more of that, please. They were very good. Um, famously, the two of them have had their moments of not getting on too well, 
Dana Carvey um, and Mike Myers. Obviously, Mike Myers went off to do some really, really successful stuff and the love guru. Um, and, you know, <laughs> and Dana Carvey went off to do various films such as... Um, Master the... of Disguise, Dave. Ma- uh, yes. The only yeah, yeah. film... Yeah. No, the Dana Carvey did on his own, and it was dreadful. And Dana Carvey is brilliant. The Dana Carvey he is, show, he's absolutely brilliant. which was a spin-off of Saturday Night Live, not a direct one, as in when Dana Carvey left, yep. he went off with a group from Saturday Night Live to create the Dana Carvey show. So people like Schmeigel, uh, Louis C.K., yeah. um, Lo- Lois C.K., I love her. <laughs> um, um, but they all went off and did their own thing. So Dana Carvey is great, but for some reason when it comes to him and movies, mm. shit's just never clicked. But then it, it's been the same for a lot of the guys who've, who've come out of it. I think it was it was that that first sort of cast who were the most successful, probably in terms of the films that they went on to do. Maybe then later people like you know Steve Martin did quite a lot and people like that. But Will Ferrell's kind of been the most maybe the most recent. Yeah, Chris Rock, Will Ferrell, been the most recent ones. Um, Adam Sandler and people like that. But it's it's. If you've got twelve people in the cast, you're not going to get twelve people making films afterwards, are you? You, you know, you, you get one or two who go off and they really succeed, and, and they're the sort of key ones. But uh, but no, the Wayne's game back to the Wayne's World sketch, very funny, self-referential, very good. Both did amazingly good Lorne Michaels impressions uh, and managed to get some gags. <laughs> well, Lorne <laughs> Michaels is apparently. Sorry, Doctor Evil is apparently based on Lorne Michaels. Yes, indeed, that's right. Um, there's <laughs> there's a wonderful uh, oh, I always mention him. There's a wonderful Mark Maron uh, podcast where he discusses his interview process to try and get onto SNL, um, including his interview with um, Lorne Michaels and what Lorne Michaels is like one on one. Mark Maron never got on to Saturday Night Live. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair to Mark Maron, um, they showed some of the audition tapes on the SNL 40th anniversary. This ties in nicely. Well done, David. Yep. Um, can you believe that people like Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. didn't get on? I can believe Andy Kaufman didn't get on. <clears> However, <throat> it's a shame because, again, that was another moment where I beamed from ear to ear when they showed some of the Mighty Mouse. But yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I can, I can kind of, but I don't know. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, I suppose. But yeah. Um, That's so, the thing. Jim Carrey. Sorry, just quickly. The, the Jim Carrey audition tape, I really liked it. I'm not surprised he ended up on In Living Colour, which was the Wayne's Brothers uh-huh. um, sketch show which I've been watching a lot of recently. I, I'm, a, I'm a student of the comedy game. I'll go back and watch anything. And Jim Carrey is Fire Marshal Bill on In Living Colour. <laughs> Fantastic mm. uh, character. But yeah, it's, it's amazing who didn't get on SNL, even though their audition tapes weren't especially bad. And just another thing, Dave, before I move on, is um, when uh, Tim Meadows mentioned that Robert Downey Jr. Yep. was voted the worst SNL cast member um, by Rolling Stones magazine. Yes. Marvellous. And look at him now, commanding £23 million a year or whatever it is. Bastard! (laughs) (laughs) All power to him, man. He had that wonderful uh, Burger King moment and uh, and found himself again. And uh, thankfully, because of that, we have some great Marvel movies. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. So yeah, the Wayne's World sketch was was one of the highlights for me. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I would quite happily see them do some more of that. Um, I'm not sure whether they'd be they'd be up for doing it or whether it, I don't know whether I could watch another film. But uh, it's certainly 
certainly uh, was one of the highlights of the night definitely um i mean you say about the, the musical guest stuff i i thought I, I wasn't a fan of obviously i'm never a fan of kanye west but um he says owning about seven kanye west albums um there are seven kanye west albums i think so um which, which one's got gay fish on it <laughs> the only, um, it's the only Kanye song I know all the words to. Wasn't a fan of that. Wasn't a fan of Miley Cyrus being there, but I can tell you, I know exactly why they were because they have star power, so you, you want them there. Paul Simon, I, I know there were. I read quite a few reviews actually of the show questioning why Paul Simon was there, which was obviously things that were written by people who've never watched Saturday Night Live. Paul Simon Paul is Simon's a stalwart is... of Saturday Night Live. Oh, <laughs> you every, fucking hell! Like every fucking time there's a five timers club episode he's there he was used to be in it all the time i remember paul Sa- i don't remember because i wasn't alive at the time but i've got i've got pretty much every episode of saturday night live ever made mm-hmm. it's a very large file um but there's him dressed up as a turkey as a, as a thanksgiving turkey yeah. and singing like it's, yeah, just he stop. is without a shadow of a doubt one of an unofficial cast member, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, there is. A, I dare anyone to watch the post 9/11 edition of Saturday Night Live where he performs the boxer as an acoustic version, and you will have a tear in your eye. It's one of the most beautiful, moving moments that you will ever see on television. Absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, I thought that him ending the show was was a great idea. I thought he he played it really brilliantly. Um, like you say, that that collective bit at the end of everyone getting on the stage was very telling as to where people were standing. Um, it was also very funny to see that the only person out of everyone on that stage who had their phone out, who was filming it themselves, was Mike Myers in the corner, <laughs> who was filming the audience. Which I thought was quite cute. Bless him. He obviously wanted. To he stacked sure. on a little bit of weight, hasn't he? But I still, I still think Mate, Wayne's Wallace. Come on! In in the last ten years, who of us hasn't? <laughs> sorry, right. sorry, that's rude. Sorry, that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you've just lost a bit there. <laughs> oh, Happy days. Uh, nearly shut out there. Um... <laughs> Edit point. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> no, the edit point was before the fart, Dave. Oh, sorry. I've got the feeling that you're milking it. There we go. Uh, just a couple of clips. Like I said, it's a short one, this one, episode 49. Uh, just to celebrate our second anniversary. Uh, two years we've been going now, and uh, it's getting ready for a little bit of a relaunch with episode 50, as I say, the very next episode. When Boo will be joining me, hopefully we'll have his internet sorted, and uh, he will be back on board. Uh, it won't just be my voice uh, that you'll have to put up with. Um, so uh, this episode had some clips from two episodes. Uh, they were our chit-chat episodes. Uh, the first was the Nottingham Comic-Con special. Uh, you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher and all good places. Uh, the second was episode 41, which was the first of two episodes that we did with Scroobius Pip. So I hope you enjoyed those little clips. They wet your whistles. Go So go back and enjoy the back catalogue and uh, catch up with those. Uh, there's also obviously uh, episodes between them then and now, uh, which is mainly sort of geek news and bits and pieces but also contain some great stuff from Nick Meekham and uh, and some wonderful stuff from Jay Hodgkin, as always. Um, thank you very much to Dino for his artwork. Thank you very much to John Sams for the music you hear that tickles your ear. Uh, thank you to Boo for his support over the past uh, 12 months. Uh, and onwards and upwards, kids. We'll see you next time for episode 50.